Welcome back to the Neighborhood Family. I am your favorite neighbor, Jay Murray, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Happy Hill, the podcast. This is where we connect, cultivate, and build a meaningful community that is centered around health, agape, power, institute, happy hood. It is a purpose-driven lifestyle brand. What's going on, family? What's going on, neighbor? Uh, I'm so glad you decided to join us again for another edition of Happy Hill, the podcast. Finish what you start. This is where we talk to very, very, one more time, very insightful individuals. We kind of learn about their how-tos and their experiences that has helped them, that has shaped them, that has molded them to live a purpose lifestyle. And today's guest truly has done this day in and day out. Uh, dear friend of ours, uh, dear friend of the neighborhood, dear friend of mine. Uh, this individual was the first woman uh, to receive a computer science PhD from North Carolina A&T, go Aggies. She is a social professor of information science and system in the School of Library and Informational Science at North Carolina Central University. Shout out to the Eagles. She is a strong advocate for increasing the number of women and minorities in computer science. She believes that the STEM workforce has both gender disparities and historical disfranchise of groups. As a member of AAA, S, if and then ambassador, she affects change by examining girls' perceptions, attitudes, and behaviors and helping them gain confidence, curating, and developing a STEM identity. Happy family. Let's give a warm welcome to the neighborhood, my dear friend, Dr. Siobhan Grady. How you doing? <laughs> hey there. I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me in the neighborhood or the happy hood, I should say. Well, hey, well, hey, yes, yes, yes. Like I say, we, we go back. One thing I, I didn't mention, um, family. She is also a graduate of Winston-Salem State University. So let's make sure we get all that in um, as she has kind of went down the HBCU train, you know, here in North Carolina of going to uh, Winston-Salem, then going to uh, A&T and then also working now for North Carolina Central. So uh, welcome, welcome again um, to the neighborhood. Um, so I, I guess, um, let's start with, with this. Talk to us a little bit about what you do for a living. Right. So I am at, uh, by the way, I graduated from North Carolina Central University as well. That was, my, that was my second stop from Winston-Salem State. Ah. Um, and then I went to A&T, but I'm back now at North Carolina Central, actually in the same department that I graduated from. So it's truly a full circle moment for me being in the department that I once uh, attended as a student. Yeah. There, I am an assistant professor of information science and systems, and I'm also the program director over the program as well for information science. So what I do at NCCU is I do three things that I'm evaluated on, uh, mm -hmm. research, teaching, and service. And that looks like a multitude of things. Let's start with the service. That starts yeah, with yeah. me being on many committees, um, providing input um, or uh, actually um, working with others in different departments to get various projects done at the university. Mm -hmm. Then for teaching, that's self-explanatory, but outside of teaching, it also probably includes some professional development. So I'm always taking courses to learn how to um, do a better job of, of teaching, right? Yeah. Because yeah. things have changed. We know that now in the pandemic, especially uh, you have small children, K through 12, a lot of um, mm. schools went to either Google Classroom or Canvas. So yeah. that might be learning a new learning management system as well with my teaching. And then for my research, 
That includes me doing scholarly publications, uh, applying for grant funding, and also bringing students into my research as well. Yeah. So I do all of those things. And outside of that, there's meetings because I mentioned to you all that I'm a program director. Mm-hmm. So I actually serve a leadership capacity within my department. So I actually am a part of many other meetings as well. And I have meetings with my research collaborators t- as well. Yeah. So uh, my days are pretty jam packed, um, but I enjoy and I love everything that I do. Yeah, it definitely seems like, I mean, again, Happy family. I've been knowing Dr. Siobhan for a while, you know. So, again, seeing her um, blossom in, into this is definitely very, very rewarding. And I would say I'm grateful, you know, to kind of see you blossom in, into this. So, I guess when you think about like what you're doing now, working in computer science, you're mm-hmm. doing research, as, as you mentioned, like where did this all start? You know, we think about as far as your up, upbringing. When was you introduced, I guess you could say, to like science? And I go, of course, it may have been an elementary, but when did you kind of figure like, "Mm, I really enjoy this? I really like this. Yeah, that's a great question. So I will go ahead and say that I've always been a nerd Mm -hmm. um, from day one. And I make no apologies about that. That's who I am. And I love being a nerd. I don't have Mm -hmm. my glasses on right now, but I Mm -hmm. do wear glasses, too. Um, but no, it started at a very young age and outside of, uh, you know, nerd, <laughs> um, it started off with being competitive. So also growing up, I was a tomboy. So mm-hmm. I always, um, and this is relevant because the work that I do in STEM and computer science, these are male dominated fields. So I bring that into play because as a child, I was always very competitive. I like to play sports. Um, I love to play video games. And I, I took joy in beating all of my male cousins because we were all <laughs> the same age. I enjoyed beating all the boys in kickball in elementary school and uh-huh. doing all the things. I love fishing. I love doing everything. I didn't mm-hmm. even know that, you know, girls weren't supposed to do those things. Yeah. Um, so it started there with my love to compete and a passion um, for technology because it started off with the video games. Mm. I was the Super Mario queen. I didn't love <laughs> I didn't like Duck Hunt. That was one of my boy cousins. They loved Duck Hunt. I didn't love that, but they couldn't beat uh-huh. Mario. Really? And so it started there. And then to fast forward to around middle school, I believe that's the time the internet came about. Mm. And I am dating myself, but John, you're older than me, so I don't yeah. feel bad about <laughs> it. <laughs> but if you remember, John, there was something called dial-up. Oh, yeah. And with dial-up, it was wonderful. But the bad thing about it was when somebody called, the internet would get cut off. And so I would spend as much time as I could on the internet um, when that came around. But whenever someone called the house, my connection was done. I would have to dial up and start again. Um, So it went from video games, from the console to the computer. And then when the internet came around, that's when I got into developing websites. Um, which was a lot of fun and of interest to me. And outside of doing that in middle school, I also participated in something called MSEN, uh, the Math and Science Educational Network. So what that allowed me to do was take math and science courses at the local college on Saturday or like a Saturday academy. That's cool. And so that was fun because that gave me an opportunity to really engage in the math and sciences, but also I was there with other like-minded individuals, yeah. other people who are interested in science and math. And I didn't even know how pivotal that would be until later on. But who you surround yourself with, like how we are right now in the happy neighborhood, happy hood, 
it's important to your growth. You need yeah. to be around like-minded yeah. people. So I'm grateful for that. And I'm trying to fast forward it up because we'll be here yeah, all day. Good, good. About my childhood. Um, but then let's let's go to high school, mm-hmm. um, applying for college. When I applied to Winston-Salem State, I actually got an opportunity to be in a program they call the Minority Science and Outreach Program. Mm. And that was also a science program. So what I was able to do before I even started my fall semester that summer, I took all the classes one would take um, probably their first semester of college. I took it ahead of time. So I basically already, um, you know, was considered maybe a sophomore (laughs) in my my real first semester um, Mm -hmm. at Winston-Salem State. And so what I'm trying to get to is that every single opportunity and everything that I did from childhood up until now has truly led me to be where I am. It was it was all of those different programs um, that I did, such as, you know, MSOP and MSEN and all of those other things that, that led me here. And so that's kind of an insight um, into my childhood. So I wasn't breaking things, um, but I definitely took joy in uh, being inquisitive. I yeah. always asked a lot of questions and I still do, mm-hmm. um, which is probably why the researcher in me is so um, prominent. I, yeah. I want to get to the details. And more importantly than that, I love to solve problems. I like mm. to fix things. So problem solver. Listen yeah. to that. That's <laughs> that's and and um, I mean that's what we need. We we at times, and, and I guess when I'm I'm kind of grouping a lot of people in into this, so just bear bear with me, family. But one thing I have learned in my current um at my current employment is these, this thought process around continuous improvement, right? And this continuous improvement is really seeing a problem and going after it, right? And really mm-hmm. understanding like, what is the why behind that problem? Where does it happen? You know, uh, what's the impact of it, you know? And it's so much, and again, as a entrepreneur, you are a problem solver, right? You are truly a problem solver. So as you have, you know, develop these skills and really, as you put it, you know, have participated in these different um, organizations and programs to continue to help cultivate, you know, your passion. Was it like when you went to Winston, did you know you wanted to go into computer science? Or I did. You did? Okay. So that's something. I, did. You, you I did. knew right off the, the bat. Um, mm-hmm. But there was some deliberation um, prior to coming to Winston-Salem State um, where I did, and I didn't even know this, I probably did a SWOT analysis, not even knowing Ooh, um, prior to coming to college um, to kind of weed out uh, other careers that I wanted mm-hmm. to do. Um, ultimately, computer science um, was what I chose because I love computers. I don't think that'll ever change. And yeah. what I love about them and technology in particular is that it's ever changing and evolving. Yeah. And because I'm such an inquisitive person and I love challenges, it always gives me room to grow and to learn. Mm. And that's what I appreciate so much about technology. Um, yeah. Because if you think back, even when I mentioned dial up, what would the children do now with that Wi Fi? They might pass out. Oh, shit. All out, arm at the mouth, you know, it, you know, yeah, they. Yeah, they they would do so much, you know, yeah. so, much, so so much. Now, quick quick question, and I'm 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 gonna try to break this down because when I was attending Winston State, computer science was still somewhat of 
a new type of uh, career or in this case major to kind of go into, you know, maybe it's, it's been, it was, you know, you know, definitely beyond its infant stage. But when you think about computer science, like for those that's not that familiar mm-hmm. with the, the field, like how would you define computer science or the, the field of computer science? Listen, it, everything that you do touches technology. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think the reason why it felt so new, uh, John, is because I don't think people knew what technology would do. Yeah. And I'm saying that again, and I'm just using a dial-up reference because that's our example here. But that from middle school to college, I don't even think that's a decade time span. And that's how much technology changed from us having Wi-Fi or at at that time. But matter of fact, we didn't even have Wi-Fi on campus. We actually had the land connection. Right. So we no longer had to do dial-up, but we had the. And if you don't know what a land is, don't worry about it. But we basically had to plug our computer. And by this time, people didn't have laptops on campus. Okay, nice. some people who had them, that was a luxury. So if you had one, most people might have had a desktop. You would just plug in that cord from mm-hmm. your PC to the wall. Yeah. And that's how you got connected. And now we have Wi-Fi. But I say all that to say that there are some fields that were more well-known than mm-hmm. other fields. And I think computer science, if you yeah. hadn't already been introduced to that, and by the way, in my household, my father was a programmer and my mother worked at IBM. So I oh, always yeah. knew about technology. But if you were in a different home or you had, again, this goes back to what I'm talking about, your circles, mm-hmm. you're around, you may not know about that. Yeah. Like, for instance, yeah. I have family members who all they knew was nursing because their mother was a nurse or worked in the medical field. So they chose nursing because that's all that they they knew. And I think part of what young people need to see or to find out earlier than probably we did is what pathway they want to choose and yeah. what what better way to do that than the process of elimination. You know, try yeah. your hand at everything and find out what you love. I just happen to be blessed to actually be born and to find my purpose just at a, a very young age. But for others, it's not so simple. So yeah, yeah. I would talk to younger people and I do talk to younger people. I tell them, try it all, mm-hmm. figure it out. Because even in finding out what you don't like, that's still a good a gift. Yes, yes. I, that's and it's funny. It's funny you, you say that. One, my my dad worked at IBM too. Yeah. Uh, okay. As, as a, yeah, yeah. And I remember we t- talking about the dial up. I just had to mention. Yeah. I mean, when you you had said it, it had kind of jogged my memory. Like my we had a uh, a computer, and this is in the late 80s early 90s we mm-hmm. had a computer and we didn't i mean and the thing about it, I, I say it now as i think about it now excuse me hindsight like wow man we were so blessed you know to have a computer because we actually had and i don't know if this was like the first type of dialogue but we had this thing called prodigy yeah i remember prodigy yeah okay so prodigy. Was it was akin to like aol but it was a different uh service provider yes yeah. yes so we we had, had that and i remember like going on there and 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 um it was like like uh, baseball fantasy baseball something like that mm-hmm. that we kind of go in there and try to figure out but again just showing you how the evolution of of this thing because if i fast forward to winston as you mentioned like computer science maybe not that um was not that um, people didn't know a lot about it or it wasn't well known because when I was in school, it was just when the dot com dot com bus happened. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
So it, it was pretty much like, oh boy, you know, maybe this thing is not it, right? Yeah. But um, as as you mentioned, um, about figuring out what you want to do. And again, mm-hmm. we're talking about finish what you start, right. really understanding how to's, really understanding how do you continue to stay on course, how do you continue to go after the things that I believe God has calling you to do. And I had just had a conversation with my nephew. And and I think one of the first things, especially speaking to young people, and I love what he said, say, Uncle John, I don't know what I want to do. And I was like, bruh, I think that's the first thing we need to admit, you know, because I think about when my youngs are at that time, when I was in my, what, early 20s and everything, Mm -hmm. I thought I knew what I wanted to do, right? And as you mentioned, hey, I did somewhat of a SWOT analysis, mm-hmm. which I didn't even know that at the time you you, you uh, yeah, you, I didn't know you, I was doing that. <laughs> you were doing that, right? Kind of understand the strength, weakness, opportunities, and threats. But what would you say to a young person, right, that's trying to figure out what do I want to do, right? Um, and as you mentioned, hey, trying things is definitely there. But maybe what are maybe one or two things that you would tell them to, hey. Here's something else you want to do as you try things. What certain things you want that you would tell them that, hey, they need to maybe recognize or what they need to do in addition to trying new things? Yeah, absolutely. So as you're trying new things, um, keep in mind, nothing is perfect. So you really do need to take the time to truly write out the pros and the cons of Mm. what it is you're trying. Mm -hmm. Sometimes what we think we want is not what we need. And that is a man. Now that's as an amen go right there. And that's a life lesson. Yeah. Ask questions. Be, be inquisitive. Yeah. I know a lot of people, especially in our community are afraid to ask questions, but questions are how you get answers. If you don't ask, how will anyone know? No one can read mine. So I would tell them to write down the pros and the cons, ask questions, there is no dumb question. The question no, that really may not. be dumb is the one that you didn't ask. Come on now. Make sure to um, ask the questions. And it's okay to ask a, cl- a clarifying question, mm-hmm. right? We do that all the time. And, and I'm sure you do it all the time too as well, John, in our fields. Because sometimes people think they're being um, transparent, um, but they're not. It's yeah. not clear what they're meaning to say. Um, and I would tell them to um, shadow Shadow people, ask them to, you know, follow what they do within a day. And guess what? Right now is the perfect time to do that. We're virtual. Yeah. Yeah. It's the perfect time because everyone more than likely has access, especially if if they're in the business world, maybe if they're in the medical field, it might look different. Um, Depends. Some things are field specific, specific, but if you want to be a person in tech, um, definitely reach out to anyone in tech. You can shadow them and mm-hmm. they can probably give you a, a you know a link to log in and give you a bird's eye view of what it is they do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, totally, totally, oh, totally. And the last thing I was going to say um, that's important too, and I, we don't talk about this enough, but mentorship. Yeah. You know, there are some adults and I'm an adult. I have many mentors. Um, to the point where I call them my board of directors. But I think young people need mm-hmm. to seek mentorship sooner. Don't mm-hmm. look at your professors as only someone teaching you the class. That might be the person who's going to write your letter of recommendation for a scholarship or for your job or can speak mm-hmm. to your aptitude for a graduate program or um, whatever the case may be. And sometimes your professors might even serve as a mentor, but it yeah. doesn't have to just be your teachers. Sometimes it's your parents, sometimes someone in your church, 
whomever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just tell them to, um, you know, just ask questions. And yeah. it's a process of elimination. Yeah. Write down the things you like, write down what you don't like. And then remember, one day doesn't necessarily give you the sum of some of it all. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to stick with things to kind of really see if it's going to be a good fit for you. You got to go through the seasons. Yeah, it's a process. Yeah, <laughs> you got to go through the seasons and understand like how that whatever situation or whatever the endeavor that you're mm-hmm. going after, you know, you got to understand, like to your point, go through the process, ask the question of mentorship, because I think one thing that we I had to realize this and um, shout out to to my man B for really articulating this and really kind of provided the, the epiphany for me is that your mentorship doesn't have to be local. You yeah. know? Your That's mentorship right. can, can be, hey, read their book. Yeah. You know, like listen to their, their podcast, um, listen to their YouTube channel, you know, and really get it helps you one by doing that helps you gain insight into their thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they're thinking, you know, of course, we may not be able to have a dinner with Jay-Z or with the, the Warren Buffett of, of the world. But we can definitely go read their book, yeah. listen to their podcast and, and really get an understanding of their thinking. And speaking of understanding of, of their thinking and navigating, you know, your your career, your interests, your mm-hmm. passion, as you mentioned, or within your bio, you were the first woman to graduate uh, with a PhD in computer science at um, A&T. So talk to us about that experience. As you mentioned, hey, you have somewhat of a motivation, a drive to compete and, and to I knock do. down walls, right? To knock down walls and really like finish what you start. We have we may have to put you on, on a video. You know, definitely of, of, of finish what you start to really kind of hold on to, to that, that 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 motto. Like, what was that experience like? What certain things that you learned about yourself during that time? Oh, goodness. Um, wow. That's a loaded question. <laughs> um, hmm. I will start by saying, you know, my parents have always told me, and this probably is an testament to to why I am the way I am, but they've always kind of told me, you know, you you need to uh, stick with something because if not, you're going to repeat it again. Mm-hmm. And so that's always stuck with me. And so when the going gets tough, you know, I've always kind of kept that in my mind and my spirit mm-hmm. because we all want to give up at the first sight of trouble. Yeah. Let me just say that. Yeah. Let's be honest. Come on. <laughs> We all want to give up and throw the towel in and start running and say, I'm not doing this. It's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. But should I have done that um, during that time at A&T? We wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. yeah. Not to say I wasn't a great person before. I definitely mm-hmm. was. Yeah. But that might be something looming over my head for the rest of my life. What if I had to finish? What mm-hmm. if I hadn't gave up? Mm-hmm. Why did I let X, Y, Z stop me? Yeah. Um, yeah. But in, in regards to the journey, um, it's life altering because, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm 100 percent honest, mm-hmm. I like challenges. But sometimes even the challenges that I set out to do, I'm not really even sure if I can do it. <laughs> I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one of those challenges, because if you had asked me in undergrad, 
you know, could I see myself getting a doctorate? No. (laughs) But what happened is I started proving things to myself Mm. and I got more curious about my own potential. Wow. And that was the catalyst to to get me to this point. And so, um, yeah, the journey is is very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone doesn't have a doctorate. Um, some people don't want it. I get it. But even some people who set out to get it, they they don't make it to the finish line for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, what I learned about myself is <clears throat> so many things, but I'll yeah. just say one thing. And, mm-hmm. and what I learned about myself is, um, yeah, I'm... I'm like uh, Shikari said, I'm that girl. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's the nicest way that I can say that um, Mm -hmm. because there were obstacles and there were trials and tribulations. And had it not been for the Lord who was on my side, I I wouldn't have made it through those challenges. But um, I learned just how resilient I am. And Mm. that's the word, resilience. Yeah, yeah. Resiliency is mm-hmm. it's, it's it's amazing. Um, I'm gonna try my best to articulate this thought. It's, I'm still formulating it, but family, what I'm what I'm saying is that sometimes you don't know who you are and the skills you have in you until you actually go through the fire. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Until you actually go through things that really going to develop you. And when you think about it, you are definitely, once you're able to, and I I would love to kind of hear your thoughts on this, like you kind of use, I don't say use, but as human, we kind of either go to a fight or flight type of, 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 of a moment, right. Or of a reaction. Right. And I think at times, the moments where I was able to fight is was the moments when I was really in a very submissive posture. And what I mean by that is where I stopped trying to wrestle with the discomfort and really began being comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. And that allowed me to really go into a phase of understanding that I'm in a growth season. Mm-hmm. You know? And I had to come to that, you know, a moment during my time of, of going out the endeavors and even times now where I still have to kind of remind myself that I'm in a growth season. And I know you mentioned this during that time where you had to kind of you 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 discovered this line of the hey i am very resilient mm-hmm. and i i wonder like in those moments did you have to kind of go through a process of being comfortable being uncomfortable you know and and like was it kind of th- that process during that time you kind of like you know what nah i ain't i'm 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 about to fight this you know like did you have to kind of like kind of draw draw that line in, in, in the sand? Um, I think what I do, what works for me, yeah. is I just shut out all the white noise. Mm. I just go laser focus. Mm-hmm. The bad things are happening. I sit down, I strategize, and I just block everything out because the race is only against myself. 
Yeah, come on. You have to come learn on. how to hear people. Mm -hmm. Most of what they are telling you has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. Stick to the process. And when you stick to the process, block out all the white noise, it's yeah. just you running against yourself. And I yeah. think that's what has helped me. Just taking out all the noise, what people are telling me, you can't do this, you can't do that. And just saying, bet. Yeah. Blocking all that out and just mapping out a plan mm -hmm. and then executing the plan. And to do that, sometimes you do have to go in isolation. You yeah. can't do the same things you were doing before. Mm-hmm. That has other consequences, but the, the thing is the mission. Yeah. And if yeah. you want to complete the mission, um, you will make some sacrifices. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's honestly part of the process is part of the growth is part of the journey. Mm -hmm. And if you follow that, that uncomfortableness you're speaking about, it'll start to get comfortable. Yeah. You realize you're just stepping into who God designed you to be. Yeah. Yeah. It can feel uncomfortable because, yeah, shutting out all the white noise or changing mm -hmm. habits, um, mm -hmm. it can be painful for you and maybe some of the people that you're um, having to implement those things to. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if they love you, they're going to be right there. Yeah. Be fine. Come on. Come on. Come <laughs> on. Dr. Shabon Grady, come on. Come on. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Finish what you start. Um, as as you mentioned, um, early on that you hey you are a strong advocate mm -hmm. for minorities um and people of, of of color to really get into learning stem or in this case you know really uh enjoying you know stem and really being um a a, a participant in stem programs right so talk to us about your your advocacy what certain things you're doing and uh and really like you know what has been the journey, you know, being an advocate? Oh, it's been amazing. Um, I had to really sit in the advocacy because I had been doing some of this work for a very long time. And you've mm -hmm. known me a long time, John. You know, I volunteered <laughs> my time yeah. so long over the years. But, you know, I appreciate that people recognize that now. But I'm grateful to be in this space because, as I mentioned earlier, being in a male dominated field, even in my department at HBCU, I'm the only black full time faculty uh, or tenure track faculty in the department. And sometimes people get these misconceptions um, when it's an HBCU mentioned. There are certain fields that there's just not a lot of women and there's mm -hmm. definitely not a lot of women of color or a black woman. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that I use um, my role that I have to help other people see that they can be in the same position too. Um, it means so much. At Winston-Salem State, Dr. Elva Jones, um, she showed me that. I don't know if you remember, but while I was there, I think my sophomore or junior year, this woman, Dr. Jones, she has a building in her name that was built from scratch. It's the computer science building in her name and she's still living. And she is still the department chair and works in that building. If that's not a li living legend, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. she was a great role model and example to show what's possible as well. But some of the things that I do are speaking all across the world, sharing mm -hmm. my journey, because people want to know what is the, the sauce or in my talks, I like to call it, what's the algorithm? What is that mm -hmm. step set of instructions 
that I use to solve this problem for me to get into STEM. So I share how I got to where I am, how they can also get here and how we need to help and empower each other. Um, because the numbers haven't changed. Even since I've been an assistant professor, they have not changed as far as getting more women and girls into the STEM areas. So I do a lot of speaking engagements. I volunteer my time. I teach coding classes. I spent many years being a core um, member of Black Girls Code for the Raleigh-Durham chapter. I've mm. led coding sessions with Boy Scouts of America, Girl Scouts of America. I've done all of those things, and I still do those things. Actually, I have um, some of that coming up next month that I'm doing. But those are the type of things that I do. And what's been especially special about this moment is being in a pandemic has broadened my reach. Before, mm -hmm. I was just able to do that locally in, in my community, but now mm -hmm. I'm able to do that type of thing all over the world. Mm -hmm. And so I'm truly grateful um, to be able to do those things. And then my ambassadorship um, that you kind of touched on earlier, the Triple AS, that allowed me to be recognized by um, a national organization as a STEM role model, mm -hmm. which then allowed me to even broaden my reach even further because they gave me a statue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that was in Texas? It started off in Texas and then okay. this year it was unveiled during Women's History Month last month at the Smithsonian. And I actually gave uh, a talk at the Smithsonian about my uh, journey and about my research. So yeah. those types of moments as well have helped to uh, help other people find out about my work and what I do. Mm -hmm. and, uh, provide more opportunities for me to continue to do this work as yeah. well. Yeah. I, I know. And again, we, we kind of mentioned this, that there's no, well, no, there's no such thing as a dumb, dumb questions. No, and I don't. I don't want to make uh, assumptions about this, but from your um, vantage point, why do we don't have minorities, women of color in computer science? You know, I don't have all the answers to those questions, but I do know I've heard people say to me, I'm just not good at math. I just can't, you know. But when someone says that, I don't know, is that you're not good at math or is it the way that it's being taught to you is not your learning style? Yeah. Yeah. Or has someone said something to you to make you not believe in your abilities within that area? Mm -hmm. and so. I think it can be a multitude of things yeah. um, as far as that goes. Yes, mm -hmm. we all have a, you know, a subject that comes natural to us. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes, again, it could be the way that it's being taught to you. It could be mm -hmm. you're not putting enough practice into it. Yeah. Sometimes the things you don't get naturally, you just got to work a little harder at them. Exactly. exactly. It's not for you, though. Yeah. And so um, and that's what I was talking about earlier when you were asking me what I would tell the kids, you know, nothing's mm -hmm. perfect, you know, figure out what it is you like or don't like about it. And mm -hmm. just know that you're not going to figure it all out in one day. Sometimes some of this stuff takes, it takes a while yeah. to really get, uh, get things going. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's probably part of it. And then the other major part of it, um, which is why um, the triple AS association selected 120 women to be STEM role models is people don't see anyone that looks like them in these fields. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that's probably another reason. If you don't see anybody that looks like you, why would you want to step into that space? Yeah. You know, you do need to see someone um, mm -hmm. that looks like you or know about someone that that is a proven and known fact. Um, and the research does show that when, when you have someone that looks like you, it does make a huge impact 
um, as far as your your beliefs and abilities, because you're actually seeing someone yeah. that looks like you doing what you want to do. Just like Barack Obama, when he became president for the first time, there was hope that, wow, this actually really happened. So this is mm-hmm. possible. But until that point, you know, it was just a moment in maybe the black community that it just seemed like it would never happen. Yeah. 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 Do you, um, cause again, as, as I'm hearing you, I think the common theme, um, is around exposure, right? You know, exposing our kids, um, uh, exposing, um, exposure and representation, I would say. Yeah. Exposure and representation. So when, when you think about that, and I think about as far as my kids, because now that I have, wow, been in corporate America for almost uh, 20 years, you know, um, I am, I mean, pretty much everyone is in IT. <laughs> you know, like like everyone, like I'm, I'm a project manager. Yeah. And like, it's, it's like everyone's IT. You, you're doing agile, you're doing... Uh, different things as relates to these, um, I call them IT functions, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you may not be doing the programming and things like that, but definitely you may be doing something that is a uh, extension of IT, right? Um, and when you think about like far as kids, and especially like what I, I guess the, what I'm getting to around coding, and I try to make this connection with my daughter. I was like, and I want to hear from you, doctor, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. is it is it pretty much kids are already being exposed to coding, but they may not even know it. And, and what I mean by that is like the little things that she does on her computer, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, the, the programs that she work on, you know, as you create, I don't know, slides, as you create videos as you do all these things that you're telling the computer what to do, you know, and even as my, my son, you know, he's now into the Roblox. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Roblox. He's now in, into that. And, you know, he's doing a, different things. He loves like Legos. Like, is it certain things around the exposure piece that we may not just be recognizing as kids are doing this, but we, we, we have opportunity to really continue to cultivate it you know, and really make it uh, really call out these things that they're doing. Does, does that make? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely STEM is in everything. So like yeah. your son putting together Legos. Yeah, he might be an engineer. He's putting things together, building things. Yeah, mm-hmm. he might be an engineer. But what type of engineer? That's yet to be determined. Yeah. Um, same thing with your daughter. Yeah, her by her using technology, she's getting an exposure to, to computing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, a lot of uh, the things that young people are doing, they are, but there's a difference in actually honing in on a particular skill set. But yes, STEM is in everything. So for instance, if your daughter wanted to um, learn to code, there's a free software. Um, There's a program out there called Scratch. It was developed by MIT and she could actually develop her own game. And it's it's fairly simple to use. Mm -hmm. Um, There's all kinds of tools that are free and available these days now. Mm -hmm. And also programming. I don't know if you um, heard, but just a, uh, during this pandemic, I believe the Girl Scouts just now developed like a cybersecurity badge. So a lot of wow. a lot of these cool. um, yeah. Yeah. community organizations and so forth, they are also recognizing the importance of STEM and building it into 
um, their initiatives. Uh, and one thing I forgot to mention in, in another way that I'm actually advocating for girls um, in STEM is I actually wrote a grant in 2020. Um, and by the way, I'm, I'm an AKA. Let me just start with that. <laughs> but I actually partnered with a chapter of Delta Sigma Theta in mm. Pitt County, and I actually did STEM programming for their Delta Academy. Now, the program that I created is called STEM It Yourself. Um, it's okay. kind of a play on DIY, do it yourself. So I All want right. people to know they can STEM it themselves. They can mm. actually build their very own STEM identity. And so mm. what I did there was I actually implemented STEM um, programming uh, to those young ladies. It was about five um, girls in middle school um, for about nine months. And I saw huge impacts and just them having representation and learning about the various STEM topics and actually doing activities, it really made a huge difference in their belief, not only in themselves, um, but just their abilities to be someone in STEM because before that they didn't know anyone. And so just those types of programs in the community, um, like the one that I did as a researcher at Central or any, uh, you know, and now the Deltas are probably empowered because part of the problem was they weren't STEM people. They were educators, but they didn't do STEM. So mm -hmm. a lot of times people don't know how to implement what's, you know, what's not their expertise. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I think there's so many opportunities now for young people to get some type of exposure. And by the way, did I mention we have something called YouTube? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we didn't have YouTube growing up. We had the Dewey Decimal System. Where you had to go read, and by the way, reading is still amazing. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, but now young people have videos, mm -hmm. they can actually type in whatever topic they want, and that's another way to, to, to learn as well. And there are a lot of people who are doing free YouTube videos on data science and other topics as well. So I think it's a great opportunity um, for everyone to just kind of tap in and explore their own, um, excuse me, own interest. Yeah. Yeah, YouTube University, as mm -hmm. it has been called, and we have used it. We have all used it in, in that in that matter. Um, talk to us a little bit about, and you kind of mentioned, I'm kind of curious to know your uh, research efforts, um, mm -hmm. different things, and maybe some publications that we can all go to and read more about it. Is it, um, you know, it, do you research in a particular area? Of course, computer science, but is there anything that you kind of hone into mm -hmm. around your research? Yeah. So my research is in artificial intelligence. I do work yeah. in misinformation. So okay. my, my doctorate research was looking at um, identifying fake news or misinformation um, within Twitter data. Okay. I have since then applied it to autonomous vehicle data or self-driving cars to be able to detect faults that are mm -hmm. happening in autonomous uh, vehicles in real time. Mm -hmm. And I also do work in, um, as we already mentioned, computer science education or STEM education, um, which is what that grant was based in. And all of my publications are on my website or either Google Scholar, but mm -hmm. I also do work in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I do that. I have a publication coming out next week uh, within the online learning space. Okay. Um, and I also, uh, have done that work as well with in working with other organizations, helping them to see how they can increase um, their DEI efforts as well. So those are the areas uh, that I do my research in, which is a artificial intelligence, um, human computer interaction. And I do do work in um, STEM education and diversity, equity and inclusion. Yeah. And so, so two, two questions. One, can you uh, let us know your website? 
Yeah, so it's it's my name, but it's uh, has my maiden name there. But I will be updating that soon. But um, the website is shabancday.com, and there you can find all my publications, contact information, and anything else that you want to know. So with the um, AI um, mm-hmm. uh, research you have done, again, I think it's interesting finding faults because you know we think about like fake fake news, and especially everything that has been on Twitter, and even. There was a series or a documentary on Netflix. I don't remember the name, but it kind of kind of talked. Yeah, about, I know what you're talking about. Social yeah. dilemma. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And it was something like Facebook and and how you know with the the, the previous election, and everything. When you think about AIs and you think about these bots, you know, and that are <laughs> used in so many different capacities. What is the future of it? Like, where where are we heading? towards and i know that's that's a loaded question Shabon. It is. I, know, I know so so I, i'm just from from perspective like where like from yeah. your perspective where could we be like from a technological standpoint i always tell people they laugh but i always say we're going to be like the jetsons yeah yeah that's what that's where we're going we're going to be ha- have a house in the sky we're going to be driving in the sky mm-hmm. i mean we're really um and they're already doing research on that now um yeah. taxis tax flying taxis yeah. Um, a and T is actually doing research on that right now, wow. but um, but yeah, the future looks pretty bright. Um, mm-hmm. And if you just think about, and I just take it back again to that dial up, mm-hmm. think about where we are now. People have Wi Fi in their car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that is so cool to me. Yeah. Even the cell phone, the first yeah. cell phone was a say cell- literally a cellular phone that you had to plug in into the lighter of the mm-hmm. car. And it was a big block to make phone calls. And now we have these thin devices that we can call people and we don't even have to wait till 7 p.m. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So if you're a young person, you don't know nothing I'm talking about. Well, we used to have to wait till 7 or either 9 p.m. to make phone calls so we wouldn't mm-hmm. be charged. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. That, that's And think about that. That's how fast things have changed. So, yeah, yeah. The, the problem that I see us having is the laws. How are the laws going to keep up with technology? Yeah. Now that we have this facial recognition, now that we have um, all these biometric data. Mm-hmm. And that's important because all of our biometric information is specific to us. What yeah. if somebody gets their hands on that data? So I think for us, the future looks like worried about our privacy and our data mm-hmm. and what's being done with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I was going to say, like with cybersecurity, yes. I know that's, that's, it's, I know even at my job, um, IT, um, uh, you know, went to a, a recent um, type of IT summit and I was just kind of in awe that cybersecurity is now its own industry. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it is truly have grown. And I know we, we know a couple of people that works in cybersecurity uh, from Winston-Salem State alone, mm-hmm. you know. So. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's definitely um, really, really great information. And. Um, We'll, we'll kind of end on this on this note here. Um, and I think you have definitely provided so many, so many wonderful gems to the family. But how would you define or what does it mean to you to finish what you start? Another loaded question. <laughs> no, because I got a simple answer. It means no regrets. Mm. When you finish what you start, you won't have one single regret because you will know what it feels like to finish something. When you don't finish, (laughs) 
there's always that what, what if. Yeah. And you don't want that. Yeah, yeah. Family, that wraps up another edition of Happy Hood, the podcast. Finish what you start. I'm your favorite neighbor, Jay Murray. And always remember, you are strong and you were created for greatness. And no matter what life brings you, always love God, love self, love your neighbor. I'm your favorite neighbor, Jay Murray. Till next time, be blessed. Message.